want to welcome you into the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. Thrilled to have you here, whether you're watching live through the YouTube feed, the Google Plus account, or on our webpage at centervisionleadership.org. If you are following us in an archive format, or if you're joining us via the podcast, welcome in. Today's program features Scott Bruner, CEO of the Georgia Pharmacy Association. We're talking about engaging in the nonprofit. My name is Todd Greer. I'm the Executive Director of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. And before we begin, want to just go through a handful of things that are really important to us here. Always want to point your attention. We just recently launched the December issue of Nonprofit Performance Magazine featuring Peter Sims on the cover. Some amazing features in there as we talk about values in the nonprofit world. You can find that issue at www.nonprofitperformance.org, and that'll be available for free in its digital copy. We want to remind you about any past events. You can find those on our website at centervisionleadership.org slash hangouts. And if you enjoy the conversation that we're having today on engaging in the nonprofit world, we certainly want to invite you into our nonprofit chat. That's hashtag nonprofit chat. You'll find that on Twitter Thursday at 4 p.m. Scott Bruner, our guest today, is going to be joining us for that conversation as we think about what does it look like to engage in the nonprofit world. As a special reminder, today is Giving Tuesday. You can follow all day long, hashtag Giving Tuesday on Twitter. We want to ask you to consider donating to Center Vision, and you can do that at centervisionfoundation.org slash donate. Without further ado, let me welcome in my good friend, the CEO of the Georgia Pharmacy Association, Scott Bruner. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. It's good to be here. Thanks for, for having me. Absolutely. Folks, let me just give you a quick rundown. Scott is a, a very seasoned professional, and I know he looks young and exciting there, but uh, he's, he's been in the executive world and nonprofits for quite some time. He currently, as I mentioned, he's the executive vice president and CEO of the Georgia Pharmacy Association. Scott also previously has served as the CEO of the Virginia Association of Realtors. He was the CEO of the Mississippi Association of Realtors. He was the Director of Communication for the National Association for Plastic Container Recovery. He was previously the Director of Public Relations for the Alabama Association of Realtors. So when we talk to Scott Bruner, we're talking to somebody who gets this conversation, this topic of engagement. Scott. What is engagement? Here we go. Let's start. How do you define the term? You've spent all this time in these 501c6 or membership associations, these not-for-profit trade groups. How do you define engagement in that context? And how do you think that applies to other nonprofit contexts? Groups that are watching are, are representing religious organizations, they're in charitable organizations, they're in educational institutions, they're in foundations. Help us out a little bit. How do you define this broad concept of engagement? 
Well, I have spent most of my career in 501c6 organizations, not-for-profit business trade organizations, but I think at least my definition of engagement would apply across the spectrum of, of organizations and institutions that have a need to engage volunteers uh, as a part of their stakeholder base. And, and clearly, you can define engagement in any number of ways, but the best definition that I've found that works for purposes of, of, of in bringing people into the organization is uh, an intangible definition. Simply put, I think engagement is a feeling. It's how people feel about the organization. It's that feeling that they get when they think of the organization or they interact with the organization. And from it, they get this sense of, of, of connectedness. Mm -hmm. And if stakeholders feel uh, a, a connection, then they're engaged. And that connection can come from a number of different, I call them touch points, access points. Um, one person may value one service or one aspect of the organization that another person doesn't think that much of, or there may be five or six different touch points that people value and as a result have this, this feeling about. Now, as I said, I, I think engagement is a, is a feeling, it's intangible, but those touch points are tangible and I think they can serve as a means of measuring engagement in a not-for-profit organization. Fantastic. So we we sometimes struggle with those two ideas of feelings as well as measurements and you, you bring up measurability. Um, when an organization works to create an engagement plan, uh, is that where you want an organization to start with the idea of what, what do they want to measure? I, I think measurement is important and absolutely needs to be a part of the plan. I don't think it's where you start though. If you, you, you like my uh, definition of engagement as a feeling, then you start by measuring the outcome you want. You, you start by measuring how you want stakeholders to feel about the organization. And those feelings can run the gamut. I don't, I don't think you have to set or, or, or fix your, your, your sights on just one kind of emotional response that you want folks to have, but there's a range of them that I think are, are valuable and that you would want if you, uh, if, if you want members to feel connected. You want them to feel like, uh, particularly if they pay dues or invest in some way, whether that's an investment of time or money, uh, you want them to feel valued for the, for, for the investment. You want them to feel uh, appreciated. You want them to feel some sense of, of utility uh, can I use my involvement in the organization? Is there, whether it's a quid pro quo or, or, or not, how do, I, how do I utilize my, my, my membership uh, in this organization? Um, inclusion is uh, a feeling. Protection. Uh, I work for a political organization. Now, we're a professional trade association. We represent pharmacists across the state of Georgia, but one of our jobs is political advocacy, legislative advocacy, making sure that we are protecting uh, our pharmacist patients across this state and we do that through the legislative process and so uh, creating a feeling of, 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 of empowerment, that those members feel powerful because they're engaged in the organization. There's the feeling of connection, there's even a feeling of pleasure um, and I think pleasure is important. If, if a member calls the, the Georgia Pharmacy Association, I want them to hang up the phone feeling like it's been an experience. It's a pleasurable exchange um, that they've been heard, that their needs uh, have been met. So um, 
the feeling is very much tied to how they experience the organization. And then from there, I think you can go and, and build a plan. This is the feeling or the feelings that we want to evoke in our stakeholders. So let's build a plan to do that. I think planning is really important. Plans just don't happen. They, they indicate some sense of intentionality. Uh, and I think if you want to engage your, your stakeholders in your organization, you're going to have to be intentional about how you do it. Seat of the pants may get you so far, but it, it, it's not going to get you the full rounded engagement that you need. Creating a plan is not really magic, and in fact, it, it can be sort of mundane. It, it takes quite a bit of brain work and some creativity. I think those plans are better created by your, your team in the organization, if you're fortunate, uh, a staff team or a volunteer team uh, to help you build it. Um, I think you can come up with a better rounded engagement plan. But the elements of that plan are very similar to how you would create a communications plan for, for some sort of uh, uh, initiative. So you need to decide what your objectives are. Who are your audiences? I think you might have multiple audiences. They could be generational audiences. They could be divided by geography, by specialty. There are any number of ways you can, you can split that. And then what are the vehicles or the venues for how you want to deliver whatever message, messages, experience that you want to uh, deliver? What are those messages? Uh, you may say certain things to certain specialty groups in the organization or, or interest groups in the organization. You might say it one way to one group and another way to another. I used to work in the realtor organization and we would frequently communicate one way with brokers and another way with salespeople because they really represented two different mindsets of member. We weren't saying two different things or, or, or uh, in any way talking out of both sides of our mouth, we were just focusing on each constituency on what we thought was most important uh, for, that, uh, for that constituency. Um, so that's messaging. Um, you need a schedule. You need to, you need to have some plan for how you're going to roll out your engagement. And then we get to measurement. Okay, we're going to do all these things. How are we going to measure whether or not we've succeeded? Too frequently in organizations, I think organizations cre create plans and then the plans become checklist and I did this, I did this, I did this and they believe they've accomplished their objective when checking it off the list is not really the objective. Measuring whether or not you achieved what you wanted to achieve is important. So I can't say enough about, uh, about measurement. Now that said, a plan is great. Uh, uh, President Eisenhower said um, something to the effect of that plans are dispensable, but planning uh, is not. And, and I think that's important. The, the plan gives you the framework, uh, but you should always allow for some flexibility. The situation changes, new ideas, new opportunities arise, so you need to be able to, 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 to seize those. I think the plan also gives you the opportunity to test some of your ideas with smaller groups. We think this is a good way to engage. Let's test it with a small group. Let's let's see how we can uh, let, let's see if this validates what we think might uh, might work. Um, and it also allows you to, to try stuff. And I guess that's been my modus operandi through most of my career. I like to be involved in organizations that are willing to to, to just try things to 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 roll something out low cost put some framework to it and some, some planning and do it well um, and see what happens as a result of it. Not be afraid to say, well, that didn't work so well, we're not going to do that anymore, but we tried these couple of other things and, and, and they do work. So um, that sort of gives you an idea of how I would see the planning process of engagement. Mm -hmm. Scott, that's a really unique perspective and I, I, I kind of chuckle at some of those words that you shared here towards the very end because uh, just over my shoulder is a book called Little Bets and Peter Sims, who are uh, 
He's our cover feature for the December issue. That's what the book is all about. It's about innovating with these little bets, and you talk about kind of some of these small steps that we can take. They're low cost, but it gives us an opportunity to, to find those things out. I want to come back to, to something that you talked about. You talked about these ideas that they're feelings and these intangibles, and I know sometimes that's an uncomfortable place for organizations, and you talked about understanding and, and using different messaging to fit different audiences, and, and that's a very real thing for the nonprofit world because we may be talking about donors versus volunteers versus people that are, are gaining from our services, and those are important places, but how do we, how do we know how these people feel? How do, we, how do we know that we're, we're really reaching them? And we can talk about measurement, but how do we, how do we really know? Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the sticky wicket. But the, there are ways through those touch points that I mentioned that you can measure that idea of engagement. You can actually get a handle on how your members feel uh, about the organization. I'm a big fan uh, of informal surveys, of ad hoc focus groups, and I don't mean going out and hiring an, an expensive consultant. There's a place for that. If your budget allows, that's fabulous. But I think you can also do a small email focus group where you just throw out some ideas or some questions to a small select group, see what sort of feedback you get. Those are ways of getting quick through surveys, uh, quantitative, and through the, the focus group idea, qualitative input, and, uh, and to test ideas in advance, um, as well as uh, sort of evaluate how what you're doing or what you've done uh, worked out. Um, I'm a big fan, though, of, of surveys through SurveyMonkey and some of those online tools to be they're easy to use survey members about how they feel about the organization how do they you know on a scale of one to five uh, how would you rate the value of your involvement in the Georgia Pharmacy Association or uh, the local chapter of the American Cancer, Cancer Society or, or whatever your organization uh, is it's a good quick way uh, to get feedback you can ask about value received you could ask them you could you could throw up uh, a set of words and say which of these best describes how you view your organization and there may be some positive words uh, and some negative words on there and see what sort of response you get so you can measure feeling by asking the members to to you try to get inside their heads with uh, with with some of those questions you can measure their affinity the organ of, of the organization on a, a one to five or a one to one to ten uh, scale it's easy to ask how connected do you feel to this organization, rate us on a scale of, of one to whatever. Um, I, I mentioned those touch points earlier though, but I, and, and I think that's the place where you can really get objective um, measurement. So some indicators of engagement in an organization, again, I work for a business trade association, I, I suspect this would apply in churches and educational institutions and charitable organizations as well. Um, you can measure membership data. Um, Generally speaking, your members don't have to belong to the organization. If your membership is on the rise, that ought to tell you you're at least doing something right. And I think you should go through that membership data and parse it and survey those folks and get an idea for why they, not only why they joined in the first place, but why they chose to, to rejoin. That's objective. You can look at volunteerism in the organization or folks signing up. We're a very committee driven and a board of directors, volunteer board of directors driven organization. Are people interested in serving on our committees, in lending their expertise to our project. 
processes. That's a way of measuring. If you're not getting much response when you put out a call to volunteers, that ought to tell you something about how, in general, volunteers look at the organization. They may not think it's worth an investment of their, uh, of their time. You can certainly look at event attendance. If you're having regional meetings or special coffees or whatever, are people coming? Um, and you can evaluate those meetings. Let's say you're an organization that provides um, educational services. Uh, at the end of the course, do an evaluation. It can be either online or a paper evaluation and see what they thought about the, the content, the quality of the, the, of the delivery, um, the, the room setup, all of those sorts of things are easy to evaluate. If you're an organization that uses email and most not-for-profits do, what's your open rate? What's your click-through rate? Um, those are easy things through Google Analytics, free, free tool, um, to, to get an idea on whether you're getting some traction with some of the messaging. If you have a publication, Todd, you uh, mentioned your uh, the, the new edition of, of, of your publication, um, readership surveys, and those can be done through SurveyMonkey and those tools as well to get an idea of who's reading what, how much of the publication do they read, um, are you a thorough reader, you look at every page, or are you a flipper, do you flip through? Um, you, you can ask all sorts of questions in a, in a readership survey. Um, through social media, I, I urge not-for-profits to have some presence uh, on Facebook and Twitter and uh, LinkedIn and, and, and some of those others. But you can look at engagement there. How many followers uh, are you getting? And, and more interestingly, what sort of comments are you getting to what you post there? Uh, are your posts interesting? Are people willing to engage in the conversation? Um, and then I even think you can measure complaints and su suggestions. And that may sound a little odd, but I, I have found that if a volunteer takes enough time to, to give you feedback even when it's not positive, they do have some care and concern for the organization and that's, that's a measure of engagement as well. Your job of course is to make sure that, uh, that, that when those complaints and concerns are, are expressed, they're, they're truly heard and uh, the member uh, knows that you're, you're working to assuage the situation. Scott, this is, I mean you're blowing my mind here. I think that there's, there's so many pieces that you just landed on and I just hope uh, those that are, are following us here are, are taking notes because you really, you brought out so many different places that we can really stop and measure engagement. I mean, we've got these points, you call them touch points, and I think that's a, a great term for it, in which we're meeting with our members, we're talking to our members, we're seeing our members, we're hearing our members, we're, we're, we're growing our audience, and if we're not taking those opportunities to measure, well, then we're doing a disservice to our organizations, and I think that's such a, a, an important thing for us. So we, we talk a little bit about measurement, but I think there's a, a corresponding issue that tends to happen in, in nonprofit organizations really across the 501c spectrum, and that's things getting in the way. What, what are some of the things that you have seen that get in the way of engagement plans in an organization? Well, clearly the mantra is, uh, hope for the best, do all your preparation, but also prepare for things sometimes not to go as well as they should. But that said, most of the time, if you, if you do your homework, if you create a thoughtful uh, plan, if you're intentional about how you want to engage stakeholders, the stuff that gets in the way tends to be systemic issues, infrastructure, uh, bad policy. Um, um, let, let, me be, let me be more specific. Um, if your website is really a pain to use. If a stakeholder walks away from your website more frustrated 
than they are served by the website, you got a problem. That can get in the way of, of member engagement. So inelegant or poorly designed processes, uh, clunky websites, things that are hard to navigate, it's not intuitive. Occasionally organizations will have rules that were created for a very good purpose in days gone by that don't apply in the current context and yet they're still enforced. Um, if you want stakeholders to be frustrated, throw a bunch of senseless rules. Uh, and make them jump through hoops. Organizations that don't have a feedback loop. Um, I talked about evaluation and surveying and that's a great, great way to allow members to have feedback. But um, if you don't have that, sometimes your members feel like they don't have a voice. Speaking of voice, I, I think it's important for organizations to have a, a human interface. Um, I'll give you an example. We, one of the first things we um, created when I came aboard here a few months ago at the Georgia Pharmacy Association is, um, I, I suppose you could call it a blog, but it's really a news feed. We call it GPHA Buzz. And just to do a plug, it's gphabuzz.org. It's largely about pharmacy, so I don't know how interested your, your, uh, your, your listeners and, and watchers would be, but it'll give you an idea of a great engagement tool. Um, and we decided that we wanted GPHA Buzz to have an attitude. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what we post there has a light tone. It's playful. Um, hopefully, occasionally, it will make you smile. It's not the same old dry stuff that you might expect. And so our members are loving it. I'm getting rave reviews from this new tool. Uh, so we're not only providing them good information that they need to know, and we're distilling it in a way that they could never do on their own, but we're also making them smile when they get it, and that, that helps generate good feelings. So that idea of an organization having a voice, a personality, uh, is important. If you're an organization that does meetings and events, if they're poorly run, you will run folks off. Mm -hmm. So make sure that your planning is well done. Start your meetings on time. End them on time. That time frame is, is a contract between you and your stakeholder, and you violate the contract at your peril. So well-run meetings help, uh, help, help, keep you, um, help engage members. Poorly planned ones, not so much. And then processes that may seem to exclude or to suggest that somebody's got to pay their dues before they can participate. Mm -hmm. Frequently this happens on committees. If you've got a, a committee and you bring in a, a, a new member uh, to a committee and there's just this, over, this pervasive um, sense that the new member should be seen and not heard, uh, that you've got to pay your dues before you can be a chairman or before you can rise through the ranks of the organization. Um, Though that does not gender goodwill uh, nor engagement, and then and then any event or process that that wastes their time, your members need to feel like any interaction with the organization is worth their time. So any of those things are sort of infrastructure related, but they can really throw you off your throw you off your game if you're trying to engage um, stakeholders. Scott, that's a, a really helpful process for us to think through. Is not only what we're looking to measure, but the things that get in the way, and I think you gave us some great framework there. I want to kind of slightly transition here, and I want to touch on a couple of things you brought up. You talked about access and values and showing appreciation uh, for the people through the way that you plan. We have coming up in our March issue of Nonprofit Performance, we've got to focus on millennials in the nonprofit, and I want to kind of just use that idea of generations as a framework here we recognize I, I'm, I'm a millennial, okay? I'm 33 years old. I'm right on that cusp of the millennials and the Gen Xers. We've got everything from 
uh, even before whatever the new generation coming up is called, and I don't even know that that's been coined real well, but we've got from millennials to the greatest generation even, that's part of our organizations. How, how do we go about the process of engaging? Do we engage them the same way no matter their age, no matter their demographics? Do we uh, differentiate? How have you gone about it? Uh, I, I wish I could tell you there was a, a silver bullet for how to do that. And, and through my career, I have gone from thinking that there's not really that much difference in how you engage different demographics overall, whether it's a generational demographic or an, an ethnic, uh, cultural demographic, geographic demographic, etc., to thinking that, yeah, there are some really big differences, to coming back around to Yes, but there are some common principles that can be uh, uh, applied. Every time I think I, I understand one generation uh, or, or another, something happens that, that completely changes my mind. I mentioned GPHA Buzz, this, this news feed. It's very much a technology-driven, uh, internet-driven tool. Um, we created a daily digest so that every... Uh, post in any given day would come to all our members. We opted them in so that they would get the email uh, sometime during the night. They wake up the next morning and they've got the post from the, the day before. I thought younger generation of pharmacists, student pharmacists, I'm going to get the 35 and under, 40 years old and under crowd. They're really going to eat this up. And then within two weeks of launching the program, I have 70-year-old retired pharmacists, multiple retired pharmacists, coming up to me at our regional meeting saying, this is one of the best things you've ever done. I love it. I read every word. And so, you know, sometimes these things defy your, your preconceptions. Um, that said, I think there is a place in organizations for affinity groups. When I worked in the realtor organization, um, we had specialty groups for Asian realtors and uh, Latino realtors and even women realtors. There was an organization for younger realtors. Um, there was an organization for brokers. There was an organization for salespeople. There were affiliates for uh, appraisers, etc. I think people, I, I call those PLU, people like us. And people want to associate with folks who think like they do, have the background that they do, or have a common uh, a common interest. So I think, to a certain degree, there is a place uh, for that, depending on your uh, your organization. I know in, in churches, uh, an awful lot of churches have gone uh, to having two worship services, or even more than that. But I would say, in the context of church and organization, that, that concerns me sometimes because you don't want to create, in effect two separate organizations within the organization. You ultimately want people to block in common purpose, common common interest. So you have to do that with, with some care. Um, technology is at times, again, I mentioned my experience with GPHA Buzz, technology at times, I think, well, a younger generation is going to be more tech savvy than an older generation, and then something happens to defy my, my expectation there. I do think we're seeing in particular in this millennial generation, and that was the gist of it, question. Um, we're seeing a sense of altruism, wanting to engage in a cause bigger than themselves that we've not seen with as much passion, perhaps I should say it that way, um, in, a, in at least a couple of, of generations. Maybe the last time we saw it in that way was uh, in the greatest, uh, greatest generation. But even at that, there is still a very strong element of self-interest, but it's what I would call enlightened self-interest. And so the key for organizations is to, to, to help 
massage that uh, that enlightened part. You're you're giving back to a cause. You're engaged in a cause bigger than yourself. But as a result of your involvement in our organization, you're also polishing your own skills. You're coming away from the experience better equipped. And it depends on the, the 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 focus of your organization. With us, we want pharmacists to be engaged in the organization because they come away from that involvement more professional, better better equipped to serve their patients uh, across the state of, uh, of Georgia. I also think, I mentioned earlier this idea of a human voice, of, of an organization having a personality. And I sense in the generations, Generation X on, um, that that's really important. They don't, they're not willing to put up with cold institutional language. They like the playfulness. They like the idea that the organization has a, a, a personality. And I think, I, I may be, um, I, I don't want to suggest that, that that doesn't appeal to all generations, but I, I think particularly with the newer generations coming in, we're seeing a need to really engage by, by having, a, having a personality, being a face. Scott, that's great. I, there, there's a couple pieces I really want to pull from that. I, I love the PLU, the people like us, and, and us remembering that, that there are places and spaces that we need to create in our our nonprofits for those things. I, I love that uh, selfish in, or enlightened selfishness or self-centeredness. I think that's a really important thing. And it's funny that you you kind of drew the connection to the greatest generation. Uh, so Francis Hesselbein, uh, who is one of our our nation's to me greatest assets when it comes to to leadership, particularly in the nonprofit space. Francis is going to be our cover feature. Had a great opportunity to interview her not that long ago for the March issue. Frances just loves millennials, and, and she talks about the, the connection there to uh, these uh, the greatest generation and how there's so many similarities there. And I think that, that's a, a really unique perspective here about that uh, selfish uh, enlightenment or that enlightened selfishness. I think that's really important. I want to kind of continue the conversation because I think there's so many great places that we're stepping through here. Scott, we're, we're talking about a lot that goes into the, the engagement process, and we've talked about some of the pitfalls, but ultimately, what do you think is the hardest part for an organization like yours, like Center Vision, like a church, like a charity, like an education? What's the hardest part of this engagement process? That's an easy one, particularly in not-for-profit organizations. I think building trust is the uh, is the hardest thing to do, and it's the most essential thing to do. Um, by trust, I mean trusting in the fact that the organization is credible enough that it's worth my time to click on the link that they sent me, or to attend this coffee they invited me to, or to open that publication, or to call my legislator, or to come to this focus group. Um, that takes a certain amount of trust. And you don't want to misuse um, your stakeholders' time uh, or, or trust. You want to be trustworthy. Uh, trust that the that they really want to engage me and in an organization like mine, where our members pay dues, that they're more interested in me as an individual than they are in the dues dollars uh, them, themselves. And I think building trust, I, I guess I would call it a tripod of trust. There are really three things you have to do. You have to leverage um, in in order to to be a trustworthy organization in the 
in the eyes of your uh, your stakeholders. The first thing is openness. It means to talk honestly. It means to be vulnerable when there's a time to be vulnerable. Vulnerability means occasionally having to say to a member, you know, I don't know the answer to that, or you know, we don't have anything that meets that need. We 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 need to work on it. Um, it means a willingness to admit mistakes because occasionally organizations do make mistakes, whether it's uh, policy that doesn't go quite as you planned or employees who don't act as you wish they would. Um, so openness is important. The second leg, I guess, of the tripod is integrity. Um, and integrity, to my thinking, implies consistency. Um, you want to be a trusted organization? Act consistently. Be predictable. And I don't mean predictable in terms necessarily of the outcomes and the things you try and the, 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 the stretch goals that the organization has. I'm talking about being predictable and consistent in terms of your internal processes. Follow a process that is predictable, that's reliable, that's fair, and your members will see you as honest and consistent and trustworthy. So that, that's, uh, that's integrity. Uh, the, the third piece is accountability, and accountability is really just about knowing who you represent, knowing who you serve. It's acting in ways that demonstrate to stakeholders that you know you're about them and not about yourself, that the organization is not out for, for anything other than the, the, the members who, uh, who empower it. Um, that's how I see trust, and it is something that you build. It can be lost like that. Uh, it's harder to build back. But it can be leveraged. There are times when organizations have to urge their members to do something really big or new or different that the members sometimes may have a hard time getting their arms around. If you've built and managed trust well, though, they're often willing to go with you and, and, and give you that chance. Ultimately, I would say, though, that, that trust is built on a foundation of relationships. I think engaged organizations know their constituents. Uh, one thing that I've done throughout my career is look for opportunities uh, to get out of the office and go go to Starbucks and, and sit with a young pharmacist and talk about the challenges that they're facing uh, in their career or a seasoned pharmacist or a realtor who's been a broker for 25 years and is, is worried about their margins. Um, getting out and being known by your members really helps build trust and I don't only mean the executive director. I mean, if you're an organization uh, with a staff, certainly the staff members, if you have elected volunteer leaders, certainly those folks, to the extent that their jobs will allow them to do that, need to be out and about among the members and known. So knowing your constituents, I think, is an important part of building trust. Wow. Scott, there, there's, I, I'm looking at the time, and I'm appreciative of your time, and I think this is a, an important part. You talk about engagement as making sure that we get in and we get out at the times that are appointed. Uh, I, there's so much here, I think, for us to chew on in whatever type of organization we're in. I want to give you one last shot here. If you had one piece of advice that you could give to, to a nonprofit leader that, that whatever part of the spectrum they are in this 501c world, they want to be intentional. They want to be intentional about engaging. What would be that final tip that you would leave with them? I, you know, I think it's... It, what I find in many organizations is that they fall prey to this idea that we need 100% involvement. We need every member of the organization to be involved in some way in the organization. Well, with the Virginia Association of Realtors, I had 30,000 members. There was no way on earth that 30,000 members could be involved in the organization without a great deal of chaos. I don't think involvement is what not-for-profit organizations need. I think connection is what not-for-profit organizations 
want and need. You want every stakeholder to feel a connection to the organization, to feel one of those touch points. You know, in our organization, we do legislative advocacy, we do education courses, we have a publication, we have a convention. And not every one of those services is equally appreciated by every member of the organization. But we've got some folks who say, you know, if it weren't for GPHA's advocacy efforts, my business would be a lot worse off. I've got some other people who say, boy, I like getting that publication and staying up to date or GPHA Buzz or any number of other services. Everybody needs at least one touch point. And you certainly want to work to extend, expand those touch points. But connection is what it's all about, not involvement. Awesome. Scott, thank you so much. Really just to appreciate your, your time, your wisdom, uh, the expertise that you bring to this. Scott, as I'm hearing you speak, I'm, I'm thinking, I, I know that you present uh, at places like ASAA, ASAE conferences. If somebody wanted to, to learn more uh, and engage some of these things that you're talking about here, how could they get in contact with you? Uh, that's easy. Thanks for the plug. Um, I have a LinkedIn page. Uh, it's R. Scott Bruner. Uh, I don't remember the exact, exact address off the top of my head. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at uh, R. Scott Bruner. And you can email me. Uh, it's R. Scott Bruner. Bruner has two N's. Uh, R. Scott Bruner at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah, Scott, I, I'm, I'm certain that there are some people that are watching or listening right now that are thinking to themselves, this is a guy who's got it together, uh, and as much as anybody can, uh, has that experience and, and really could be a great asset to us as we think about engagement. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for uh, the expertise that you, you give to us uh, here. And, and folks, I, I want to remind you again at 4 p.m. on Thursday, Scott's going to be joining us for this nonprofit chat, hashtag nonprofit chat. Uh, you follow it on Twitter, go in there, it's a great way to do it. If you're looking for a, a curation program, I suggest twubs.com slash nonprofit chat. It's a great opportunity to get out there and engage. We've got questions that we'll have. Folks like Scott are going to give their feedback, and it's a great opportunity to share and think about how we engage this process. I also want to remind you again, the new issue of Nonprofit Performance Magazine. It was released uh, just yesterday, www.nonprofitperformance.org. Go get it, free copy, free digital issue that's available to you. Share it with the people that you know. Share it with the people that surround you, your board members, your, your stakeholders, your volunteers, your donors, your staff. Great opportunities to learn from these folks that have walked the walk as well. So thrilled to have you in. Want to remind you, it's Giving Tuesday. We've had our, our chance to splurge on Friday and Monday. Here's a chance for everybody to think about how do we give back to the organizations that give to us. Hashtag Giving Tuesday. Follow it. Think about all those organizations that impact your life and how you can serve them in the ways that they've served you. Again, thank you so much for joining us on the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. Thank you, Scott, for joining us. I'm Todd Greer, and we are signing off. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>